Hey, we're here at Spring One Platform. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Barton George. I am at Dell, and I'm in the office of the CTO. So what do you what do you do over there in the office of the CTO? So myself, I focus on DevOps, uh, open source, and developers. In general, more of the folks in the team are doing much more um, system-focused mapping out towards the future, if that's a way of saying it. So sure. where, where are trends going in the next few years? They're not, not really far out as far as you know one of the flying cars coming, but much more of the what kind of features and uh, standards bodies, and et cetera, are going to affect us going forward and how do we make sure that we're most in line so that uh, we're right there for our customers. So you're sort of giving uh, some future-looking uh, direction. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. Part, and part of not just, uh, we're also part of those standard committees that are helping to shape the, the oh, future. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so what, what are you getting involved in in, in the developer open source and in those areas? Like what, what do you think is interesting for, for Dell at the moment? I think we've, we're starting to get more folks within Dell doing some pretty interesting development themselves. All right. So that's something that hasn't been, um, we've always had developers, of course, because you can't run a huge company like Dell that has particularly a, a large web presence without having tons of developers. Yeah. But I think a lot more of this stuff is becoming, is bubbling up closer to the service, surface. And so a lot of the po people in the product groups are doing some neat stuff. So there's going to be some cool stuff coming out of our IoT organization. That's oh yeah. That, that's all I can basically. I was at say. a GE Predix uh, conference, and there was there was some of those folks there. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I didn't go talk to them, but but they were they, they were, they nice were representing. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is a huge bet for Dell IoT. Um, everything, not everything, but a lot of times when Michael is speaking, that will be something he he comes up with or he talks about. So we've got a whole array of of stuff that we offer there. And and so like like uh, I mean you've worked worked in and around developers and open source for a while like like pulling back even further yep like when you think about it how do, how do, what do you think about the open source world at the moment like you've got I mean just to, you got to put a bunch of history in your mouth uh, you ha you have like a background with like Sun and working on open source stuff there and then you went to other places and so you have experience with open source like how do yeah. you how do you think it is now I think it's become a lot more um, choose my words carefully here a lot more pragmatic. I guess is how I'd say it. So when we first started out, uh, when I first started out in this, I was the representative from Sun to the Free Software Foundation, oh, right. and they have um, they have some pretty strong opinions about things, and 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 a lot of stuff we did at that time was um, in I won't say in reaction to, but to abide by a lot of the the um, direction they were setting. So to make sure that we were good. Uh, open source, but of course you would never say that in front of Richard Stallman. You could say floss or, right. or free software; that would be okay. But um, this yeah, is, like, this is why you were the diplomat. Exactly, you pay attention to these things. Right. So one of the things, that, for example, was we had gotten beat on by Richard Stallman for a long time about having proprietary bits still in the JDK. Ah, yes. So pushing it within Sun, myself and a few others, we got some folks assigned to actually start taking out the encumbrances and, and make them all open source. And then once that happened, it was about going and working with the open source distros like, well, at that time it was, it was still is for a lot of time, Fedora, Ubuntu, uh, Debian, and OpenSUSE. And then how do we get 
that into the into the um, yeah bundling the JDK in there and JVM and everything that that is a, a, a tough loophole to go not loophole but what's that it's a tough thing to do yeah and one and super proud moment is when they did whatever I forget how many year anniversary of the FSF they had Stephen Fry doing a video for them and the player they used was a Java player which would have been mm -hmm. an absolute anathema. Um, just a, a year or so before that, yeah. that, they, that the FSF would actually use something well, like well, that. Well, let me throw this theory out. Hit me. Like, I, I feel like, I like that phrase, I feel like. I feel like nowadays, mm -hmm. in the open source world, fretting over proprietary software in an overall stack, like, wouldn't really happen. Like, it definitely would happen if you were messing around with some Linux people and, you know, that, 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 that previous set of people. But I feel like in the, in, like, for net new, or I don't know what the opposite of net new is, for new, anyway, <laughs> see this is a problem, Barton and I just like, 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 like trade, trade nonsense back at each other all day long, so I've got to get out of that mode, not efficient for the audience, anyways, uh, I feel like the new open source stuff, like if you bundled some closed source stuff in there, most people wouldn't freak out that much, they, they might notice it and like wish it wasn't there, but it wouldn't be like a showstopper. Right. Well, yeah, and I think that's getting back to the whole pragmatic part of it that I think yeah. has has changed since I was originally in in the in the open source world. In um, back then too, I remember all the plethora of licenses we had. So Sun <laughs> had the Scuzzle, and there was Cuddle, and yeah. there was blah blah blah. And I think now we've we've sort of, particularly in the business world, sort of um, Apache is one of the the kind of go to yeah. license for things, and it's not as much. Um, trying to find exactly that snowflake of a license that will fit per your exact business business goals. Yeah, and maybe like and just to like spin up some more yarns or you know Old whatever. Stuff. Like like it does seem like like you're also making me think especially like as pertains to to a hardware vendor and then and then also as it pertains to like cloud infrastructure that in, in the same way that, that in a cloud environment, an operating system is, is still incredibly important, but kind of like loses its primacy because you have multiple operating systems and they come and go and they're managed in a different way. That like your open source stuff is a small component of the overall uh, world. Like so, for example, like I remember walking when I worked at Dell, I would walk around and every now and then I'd see like some, I'd call them system programmers who are working on like BIOS mm -hmm. or Bios. So yeah, we yeah, still BIOS. have folks like that. Yeah, yeah, and and like backplane stuff. So, like all of your racks and your hardware and all this stuff, like they have software in there that really, as far as I can tell, never gets anywhere near open source stuff, right? We like, do no, we do some stuff that is is open source. Right, right, but but it's not. Yeah. It, it's sort of like well, we just need the code that makes the right. thing run, whether it's open source or not. Again, right. doesn't really matter. And so, it's almost like the the sort of uh, intellectual leverage that open source had back when we were kids, so to speak, uh, like kind of, I just can't find a very good foothold in a cloud world where it's, you know, and part of that intellectual leverage is, is like, for whatever reasons, good, bad, or nonsense or pragmatic, I should have access to the source code, right? Like, and I might want to modify that or do that, right. but I, I just need access to it. Whereas like, I, I guess I just like, whether it's Gmail or public cloud services, like, I don't think I need access to the source code. Like, I don't know what I would do with that. No, it's only if you're fixing a, a fax machine. Hey. Uh, Richard Stallman, it goes full, full circle. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say when you talked about um, 
proprietary within open source. It reminds me of the whole um, open core model getting oh, yes. completely bashed by folks and how much that was heresy if you as a open source provider were going to take that route. And I think things have calmer heads have prevailed there. And I think that's, that's a perfectly acceptable way of... Yeah, no, I and mean, that's a good way to, to concise it down is I think that, that basically won. Yeah, <laughs> may, may, I mean, it always depends on how you count volume because there's always like Linux and then, you know, the Apache web server. So like that's a huge volume. And I think I think Nginx is all open source. But, you know, by sort of like observable stuff, like it seems like open core is the more popular model nowadays. So back 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 to the work at Dell that you have. Yes, sir. You're doing so. Like what uh, you've been in that role for like a year? Yeah, about a year now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how do you think how do you think it's it's like changed over that that amount of time? Like like you came in and I, I remember talking with you. You know we've we've talked with each other a couple <laughs> times before, uh, and it, and you know you're sort of like figuring out how the 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 developer world and open source world you know kind of like fits into to to the needs of Dell and vice versa and things like that. So. Like what? What have you learned over the past year uh, about how the the two things fit together? I I would say still, if if I'm going to be completely honest, it's still um, uh, I won't say a patchwork, but we've got areas that need to be knit together, which right. really isn't that much different than a lot of big companies that have efforts that are sort of disparate and not connected. And I think yeah, one of the things that will help with this is as we go with this impending merger, uh, I think we can start leveraging efforts that other folks have. Mm. So you know, as, I've, as I've gone in this last year in the, my role, I've found more groups that are doing open source all around Dell, but they still are not uh, completely aligned, right? And so for example, Linux Foundation projects, we all of a sudden pulled together the list of all the things we've been doing. And as you can imagine, once again, the company the size of Dell, not everybody knows what the other guy is, yeah, is yeah. doing. And so all of a sudden, holy moly, we're part of that many Linux Foundation yeah. projects? Yeah, there's a certain, like, I, I think I think this is the uh, Donnie Burkhall's accordion theory, as I was told uh, yesterday at some point. But Polka? There, Polka yeah, bands? Yeah, exactly. But, but the... It's like the the uh, uh, you know something expands and then it contracts, mm -hmm. right? And and it feels like in the I don't know if this is true everywhere, but definitely like in the developer layer and doing things, there's like a lot of options nowadays, and they seem to be helpfully like contracting down. If if maybe not from like a technology selection, but I think the 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 notion from the DevOps world that you should have all the stakeholders on the same team focused on the same outcome is starting to pervade a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then I think, I think on the technology side, that sort of drives, therefore we should consolidate our, our portfolio and be more aware of all these disparate things we're doing. Right, and then, which would be nice. as always, what you know you should be doing and what you can actually do is, there's, there's a bit of a, a gap between it. Mm -hmm. um, and just like, uh, back to Bridget's talk about uh, containers won't, uh, fix your broken culture, right? So you do, it, just in general, showing, reiterating how important culture is and, and to change culture and to get groups working together that maybe weren't in the past is is no mean feat. It's what you have to work on first if you're going to ever move the ball forward um, because otherwise just throwing a bunch of stuff at it, they'll just wither and die. So Yeah, you don't want withering and dying. No, you don't. Although raisins are good. Yes, I was going to get with the grapes on the vine, but then, yeah. So So last question. Hit me. So I have this theory yes. that, that 
kind of, you know, like how Chomsky has this theory that all language goes back to some base roots, mm -hmm. very like platonic. I think most food, as we prepare it, goes back to base roots. So everyone has a tortilla. Like tubers? Yeah, exactly. Everyone, everyone has a tortilla. Yeah. Every culture has like a casserole. Mm -hmm. Most every culture has a wonton or an empanada, right? Like, and they just call them different things. So since you are from Hawaii, which is just fantastic, like, can you find the ur foods types in Hawaiian, or is it just totally off the map? Is there no, like, is there no, like, flat bread food? Well, getting back to, or, the, or, to the roots, and the, literally, it is the uh, um, taro plant, right? So uh -huh. um, a lot of that is sort of the basic starch that holds a lot of this together, but that's still not Literally. A, it is. Um, and then as far as meats go, pork, always a big thing, roast the pig and but the emu. Is, is, is there sort of like a taco? Like, like you take a starch and you wrap it around something. Well, yeah, so if you take... Um, tea leaves, wrap it around pork and what's similar to spinach, and then you cook it underground. Oh, right. um, that's called a lao lao. Like a tamale. A little different. I, but I mean, yeah. but you know, it's, it's, it's the same idea as we've got a wrap right. thing and, and yeah, yeah. Or, or, a, or a tamale, as they say it in South, South America when it's a banana leaf. Okay. Okay. Now, are there any foods that are Hawaiian that you would be like, there is no other food like this, or there's no logos, like it's completely unique to, to Hawaii? I think there, it's more of a um, a twist of what would be normal. So we talked about the loco moco, right? Yes. Which is you take your take your hamburger patty, you put gravy on it, and you put an egg, right? So that's yeah. not. It's just the combination, right? You can have hamburger patties, you can have sunny side up, but it's all together. Um, and I think there's spam, another great example. I think Hawaii has the largest per capita consumption of spam in the world. Mm. So, you know, once again, something you could get somewhere else, but you put it in your musubi, which is sort of like a, uh, like a sushi, right? Um, and you can put it in there. You can put it on your toast. You can put it on your cereal. Okay, we probably don't do the last two. Toast, yes, maybe not cereal. But yeah, it's just local in, ingredients, um, or as they say, ingredients. And then, and then, so really last question. So what is the Portuguese sausage? You know, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a, a version of um, linguiça. Oh, okay. So it's like a dried sausage. And the, no, the, it's not really dried. dried it's, no? No. You it keep would, it in the refrigerator? No, you, well, you take it out and you heat it up and, you know, just like any other kielbasa or something like that. I guess I don't like know that. what a linguiça is. Like, is that like tongue sausage? No, no, no. It's like, <laughs> no, I, I see where you're getting the roots from that, but no, it's more about the, um, just the style that it is. Now, did the Portuguese pass through Hawaii at some point? There is a big Portuguese population, and they came I'm from the... Try to say that five times <laughs> Exactly. Fast. They came from the Azores, the as Azores. opposed to from, uh, from Portugal. Okay, okay. So there was a Portuguese... They were never, like, uh, rulers of the land. They just, they're just a group of them that came. Yeah, I'm trying to think when they did. Interesting other fact was there was a group from Mexico that came over to work the plantations, mm -hmm. and... They just didn't like it, and they ended up going back. Whereas if you take the original people they, that they brought over in boats to work, the plantations were the Chinese. So the deal would be you come, you, you work for seven years, and then you, you can do what you want. So, huh. um, and then after that, the next group of people were the Japanese, who were suffering a real, uh, particularly in the south of Japan, a famine. So All thought right. of going someplace else and actually getting seemed food great. to eat seemed pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, and then those were the two groups that came in in the 
Um, so there, there's like a crazy melting pot of cuisine then. I mean, from, oh, yeah. from, from spam to sushi, back to sushi spam. To, to Korean barbecue, to Chinese huh. food, to sausage. Hawaiian, yes. Uh, to Shave ice. Uh, yeah, and there's also a, a, there's a decent uh, Scottish population that came out. That, um, uh, In fact, the Palaka shirts, which is the checked print that the Hawaiian cowboys, the Paniolos wore, which is came from Scottish tartans. So they would come over wow. and they would be they would be sort of the middle management on the plantations. They're not you know, with the, the pineapple fields, the right, right. Um, and you'd have the missionary types who'd be up top and then you'd have the say the Scottish folks or maybe Germans in the middle and then the the classes that came over first from uh, China and in Japan, and then of course that's all mixed up, and now everybody's all over the place. But, and they would. The interesting thing is they would save up their the Scots would save up their time for vacation, so they waited till they got something like three months. Because if you're going from Hawaii back to Scotland yeah, uh, in the late time. 1800s, you're not going to talk about a slow boat to somewhere. Yes, exactly yeah. to um, Abernathy. Yes, uh huh, <laughs> <laughs> or Kilbarkin for that matter, but. Yeah. Motherwell, just other things around the uh, general Glasgow area. Well, that's great. We got a little bit of open source, BIOS, backplanes, yes. and Hawaii. Yes, yes, we did. All, All right. this in World War II. Well, we'll see everyone next time. Thank you. Goodbye.